Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste Namaste. And this evening on page 27 of the Sri Lakshmi Sahasranamwali, uh, that's the Lakshmi Puja, we're going to begin with the Lakshmi Puja. It's the Lakshmi Gayatri. And it says, Maha Lakshmi Tridmahe, Sarva Shakti Tridmahe, Tamno Devi Prachodaya. Oh, we meditate on the great goddess of true wealth. We contemplate she who embodies all energy. May that goddess grant to us increase. And now let's meditate on the description of her form. On the bond or the net or the, the, uh, the, the bonds uh, that tie everything together, the, 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 the pasha, uh, the nets, or the, what do they call the, the, uh, the, the, the cords that tie it all down. The barn, the mala of alphabets and gourd, her lovely hand gives freedom from fear to creation. We meditate on the goddess of the highest respect, seated in her lotus posture, the mother of the three worlds. She has a white color with excellent form and all her ornaments are shining. She holds a red lotus in her hand and her right hand grants boons. So she's got freedom from fear and the granting of boons. And she's got a net or a bond or a, a, a pasha, something to bind everything, a cord to bind it all together with. And then she's got a mala and a Gord. Uh, you are Lakshmi, and all existence bows to you, the mother of the universe. Give me children and give me wealth. Protect me eternally. I bow to you. The goddess is worshipped in the three worlds as the lotus one, the strength of Vishnu. Hey, energy of Krishna. For as long as you sit still, let me be still as well. Ah, let's try that again. As long as you sit there and don't move, I'm going to sit here and not move. You think you can do that for a while, Mom? What do you think? What does that mean? That means... No. Why is Krishna here? Oh, because Krishna, Vishnu, Krishna, Rishikesha, Vashu, Deva, Janardana. That's one of Vishnu's names, is Krishna. So, hey, energy of Krishna. Uh, uh, you, uh, as long as you sit still, let me be still as well. You are Ishwari, Kamala, Lakshmi, she who moves all, all existence, beloved of Vishnu, the lotus, who resides in lotuses, all support, joy, respect, who holds the lotus. These are the twelve names of Lakshmi, and if one reads them in worship, Lakshmi becomes fixed in your being. Ah, that's a fun one. She becomes fixed within your being. She just moves in, takes her place. She's and doesn't leave until you serve her an eviction order. And your children will always be victorious. If you've got Lakshmi fixed in your being, what kind of kids are you going to have? 
I mean, they're going to grow up with the example that mom and pop have Lakshmi fixed in their being. So I guess we got it too. Just because we're children of people who have Lakshmi fixed in their being. Okay, we're going to establish her in the hands and in our fingers. So everything we touch is touched by mantra, for mantra, with mantra, uh, for the purpose of serving God. So establish shram in the thumb, I bow. Om shring in the forefinger, I am one with God. Om shroom in the middle finger, purify. Om shang in the ring finger, cut the ego. Om shrong in the little finger, ultimate purity. And roll hand over hand, forwards and backwards, karotlakar. Hand over hand, prishtavyam backwards. Astraya with the weapon of fat. Purity or virtue. Om Shreem Lakshmi Namaha. Om, with the greatest respect, we bow to Lakshmi. Om Shrong in the heart, I bow. Om Shreem on the top of the head, I'm one with God. Om Shreem on the back of the head, purify. Om Shreem crossing both arms, cut the ego. Om Shrom in the three eyes, the ultimate purity. And then Shra, curl the Kapishta, Vyangastraya. And Shra, I bow to the goddess Lakshmi with the weapon of virtue. Forwards and backwards, whether I'm going or coming, whether I'm going, it's the same as a seed, the ultapat. I'm doing it forwards, I'm doing it backwards. Whatever I do, I'm doing it for her. And now I've got eight verses of praise for Mahalakshmi. She deserves many more, but I've only got eight. And it says, Namaste to Mahamaye, Om, the dwelling place of the highest respected wealth, worshipped by all divine beings. Oh, infinite container of consciousness, we bow to you. To you who holds the conch shell, discus, and club or mace in your hands, to the great goddess of true wealth, we bow. She who rides upon the eagle Garud, the king of the birds, the king of the heavens, the king of the skies, filling the demon Kola, the perverter of the family, or destroyer of excellence. Hey, that's how he perverts the family, by destroying their excellence. Fills them all with ego egoism, and they say, oh, I want to be an individual, i got to think about myself, instead of thinking about the whole family. With fear, the goddess who eradicates sin to the great goddess of true wealth, we bow. Granter of perfection and intelligence, giver of enjoyment and liberation, wearing mantra as your form to the great goddess of true wealth, we bow. Without beginning or end, O oh goddess, the primordial energy, the great seer of all, or great ruler of all, who dwells always in union, born, who is born of union, to the great goddess of true wealth, we bow. Wearing the gross body, wearing the subtle body, as the great reliever of suffering, the great energy, the cosmic source of all, the goddess who takes away great sin to the great goddess of true wealth, we bow. Situated on a lotus seat, O oh goddess, the intrinsic nature of the universal consciousness. The supreme ruler, the mother of the universe, to the great goddess of true wealth, we bow.
wearing a white cloth, wearing a yellow cloth with a red border. Oh, goddess with various ornaments shining, the residence of the worlds, the mother of the worlds, and the great goddess of true wealth, we bow. Whoever will recite these eight verses in praise of the great goddess of true wealth with full devotion and attention will attain to perfection for himself or herself as well as for those who are under his or her influence. Whoever regularly recites this one time, just once, will be freed from even, even from great sins. Whoever regularly recites this twice will have abundance of wealth and grains. Whoever re regularly recites three times will witness the destruction of the great enemy, that's me, that's the ego, I, and the great goddess of true wealth, the grantor of welfare, the giver of boons, will always be pleased. Own the form of the universe, you are the wife of the universe, the lotus one who resides in lotuses, pure one. Always protect me, O goddess, O great goddess of true wealth. I bow to you. And now we're going to perform or read the list, the Sahasranam Valya, that means the list of names, a thousand names. And uh, we can either say Swaha, I am one with God, or we can say Namaha, I bow to you in the form of this form. So let's begin reciting our list of names. This is different, you know, this is actually written in Anishtub Chando, and it's really a stotra. So you could sing it as a stotram, uh, like, sort of like we do with Gayatri or with uh, Annapurna or with all the other goddesses. The, all the Sahasranams are, were originally a thousand names connected together in a stotram in Anishtub and they all came from Purans. So now we have the list of names. Who is to, she who is the ultimate respect? Peace of, in the mind, peace in the heart. I am one with God. She who is the greatness of the Lord of the earth. She who is the highest above all gods and goddesses. She who is the manifestation of the unthinkable infinity of creation. She who displays all attitudes, both good and bad. Bhava above. Babinyai. She has the attitude of all attitudes, whether they're bhava or abhava, whether good attitudes or bad attitudes. She who gives the capacity of the soul to express the attitude of I. She who is a lotus. She who gives the capacity for the soul to attain infinite peace. She who is the substance of the many attitudes of the Supreme. She who is beyond all fear. She is the manifestation of the entire perceivable world. She who is full of pure qualities. She who is the form of the ultimate three. That's all the threes. You choose them. Auma, Aimring, Klima, Kalima, Lakshmi, Saraswati, Satarajatama. All the threes. She who travels with the soul. 
She who is in union, she who is un the uncreated attitude that fills the silence. She who spreads her lustrous light, she whose attitude is the attitude of all attitudes, she who is the attitude of the soul. Did you ever see your soul's attitude? <laughs> There's a very beautiful attitude to the soul. The attitude of Nirakar. <laughs> the attitude of all attitudes. No manifestation. She who destroys desire, she who is the being of the soul, she who is the manifestation of all attitudes, both good and bad, she who is divine, she who expresses the attitude of that which can be divided and that which cannot be divided, she who is headed of the family of the perceivable universe, uh, the jagat kuntum binyayi, uh, the, the family of all the perceivable world, she's the head. Uh, she who supports the entire creation, she who has conquered all desires, she who creates the universe composed of five elements. Remember, Panchakritya is the union of Chiti Aptej Morbom, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. They all unite, all those five elements, and that makes all the creation all come to manifestation. She who is the manifestation of the five energies. She who is the strength of the soul. She who is beyond all attitudes, both good and bad. She who is all wealth. She who dwells within the secret place of the soul. Where does the soul hide? Maybe in the heart or some imperceivable place some place which is imperceptible to the senses, for sure. She who moves without separation. Wow, that's pretty nice. Apritak She's There's no separation, no division. She just moves as one contiguous movement. She's whole and she moves. She has no separation, no division. She who is beautiful. She who is the form of beauty, she who resides in the imperishable creation, she who shines from beginning to end. She who is the goddess, she who is the intrinsic nature of the attitude of existence. She who is the great expression, she whose body is in equilibrium, she who is the supreme of the multitude of lights. She who is the performer of all causes. She who is the intrinsic nature of the ideal of perfection. She who is situated in the advancement of the soul. And you know the soul is one and full and complete and perfect all the time anyway, but we perceive it as advancing. We say that's a highly evolved soul, uh, but we call it that, but actually we're advancing, the soul is the same all the time. We just talk of it as it, though it were advancing. She who brings equality to the limbs of devotion in the Agnya Chakra. She breaks everything in Samya Vasta, Samya, Samya Equilibrium, Samya Avashta, situated in equilibrium. Uh, so she brings equality and, uh, to all the limbs of devotion.
remember a, a, a Shabari asked for the nine steps of devotion and Ram gave them to her in the Ramayana. Uh, so, uh, she, and they are all situated in the Agnya Chakra. So they all come into harmony and equilibrium in the Agnya Chakra. We come into perfect balance. She who is the manifestation of the bliss of wisdom in all action. If you ever find the bliss of wisdom through any action, it, you found her darshan. Uh, she who is the form of independence. She who is situated above the gods. She who is that uh, ideal of all ideals of perfection. She was the supreme goddess of all existence out of us, Adya Mahalakshmi. She is first and foremost and supreme. She who is the mother of all existence, she who creates the ignorance of the soul. Of course, it isn't the soul that's ignorant. It's, it's me. Sorry. But it, I'd like to say that that's an ignorant soul over there. It's really an ignorant mind clouded by the mistakes of egotism. The imposition of ego upon my soul makes me think the soul is ignorant, but it's really me. She whose every limb is beautiful. Can I see your limbs? Oh, they're all beautiful. Thank you, Mom. She who distinguishes the individuals of existence. She who has attained the highest union. She who gives liberation. She who goes to devotees. Or at least she calls them every night. Or sends them an email. She who takes across the ocean of worldliness. She, she Sansars Mudra Tharini. Uh, she takes us across this ocean of worldliness. She who explains the meaning of the ideal of perfection. Wow. Dharma Artha. Vadinye. She explains it to us. What is the ideal of perfection? Why is that your Dharma? How do you understand your Dharma? You don't until she explains it to you. She who creates the atmosphere. She who is the form of the atmosphere. And actually, you know, the ether resides in the atmosphere. The ether is the space between objects. So it is the perfect space. Which, when you have earth, water, fire, air, they need some space, some ether, in order to move. <laughs> if everything was just elements, then you couldn't move. You'd be sandwiched in on all sides and further. So you, you have a little ether so you can move around. And she creates the atmosphere, is the form of the atmosphere, and she who is the attributes of the elements like ether. She who protects and does not change. She's a circumstance which doesn't change. The reality of existence. That which is true doesn't change. So Brahma Satya Jagat Mitya. This entire perceivable world changes, so it can't be true. It's an appearance. If it's true, it'll stay, it'll be true for all time. She's true, always. She doesn't change. She who has the fullest attainment. 
She who is the form of bliss, she who resides in consciousness, she who is the foremost energy, she who has a golden color with a golden sari and sometimes a red border. She who resides in all kinds of wealth, anything you value is, is her. You only value it because she's there. That's what makes it beloved. Do you remember in the, in the Mandukya Upanishad where Yajnavalkya said to Maitri, it is not for the soul that the soul is dear, but for the divinity which is illuminated by the soul. She resides in all kinds of wealth. She who cultivates all that is valuable. She who illuminates all. She who is the excellent fire of sacrifice. She who is abundance. She who gives birth to the flow of wealth. She who follows her own orders. <coughs> she makes the rules and she follows the rules she makes. <coughs> She who is eternally divine, she who moves through the ether, she who is the vehicle of liberation and union, she for whom all is easy of attainment, she who is the capacity of desire and action, icha kriyat mikayogi. She's icha, she's kriya, she's the atma, the soul, or the soul, atmikayagi, the capacity of the potentiality of the soul to manifest in desire and action. She is the, who is the great creation, she who administers the entire existence, she who moves with the light of wisdom, she who gives all that is wonderful, she who is the text of the spring, and she texts to the Supreme. <laughs> uh, all the time when I drive down the highway, she's busy texting the Supreme. Uh, she is the text of the Supreme and she texts to the Supreme. And she who is the highest excellent quality, she who has the highest enjoyment of the foremost wisdom. Pretty cool. Uh, Atmanurupayagi, she who is the smallest form of the soul. She's Anurup, the, the, like the, the, form of, the form of an atom of the Atma. She is the form of even the smallest measurement of the soul. She who utilizes the way of truth. She whose mind is filled with wisdom, she who moves with wisdom, she who is eternally liberated, she who is served by the soul, she who is the energy of action, she who is extremely deep, she who is the energy of enjoyment, is she who loves all qualities or attributes, and she who is the energy of wisdom, and these are the first 100 names. Just feel the bhava, feel the attitude, feel the illumination, the energy that they are illuminating as the highest ideals of perfection. She is the supreme wealth, the luxury, the goal, 
the value, the, the, the terminus of our journey is with Mahalakshmi. The great goal of all existence, the great illumination, the great wealth of all existence. And these are the first hundred names by which we describe the first 100 attributes of the one goddess. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Let's see if there are any questions. Do sure. <laughs> we could do the next hundred. <laughs> Let's see if there are any questions. We have a question from Sadatmananda. Namaste Sadatmananda. Whoever recites these eight verses will attain to perfection for himself as well as for those who are under his influence. Who are considered to be the people under our influence? Is it just gurus and their disciples? No! It's everybody that you influence. You influence your brothers and sisters, you influence your family, you influence your friends, you influence your circle. You, you, each one of us has a sphere of influence. And where, when we put Lakshmi in our hearts, everyone within the sphere of our influence is affected by it. And it's like having a communicable disease, and everyone that we cough near gets, gets infected by this communicable disease. You're all going to come down with the disease of loving God all the time. Everyone in your influence, that means if your sneeze goes traveling around the world, well, just think about your love for God. It'll go even farther. It'll affect everyone within your sphere of influence, means that everywhere on the earth and in the Milky Way and in all the constellations, it'll travel. They'll all get the cooties. They'll all become infected by your love of God, by your definition of wealth, by your value system, by your, the love that you carry in your heart, Sadatvananda. So what is your sphere of influence? Right now you say, well, it's my mommy and my daddy and my brothers and my sisters and my friends and my, uh, my guru brothers, my guru sisters, all the classmates that I have in the university and probably everybody in the university because if you touch one and one touches another and another touches another, it'll spread all the way through the whole college campus. Expand the circumference of your sphere of influence. And it will automatically encompass the entire world. But let's start small. Remember Confucius said, if you have a one family that is dedicated to truth, then they will make the whole village dedicated to truth. And if you have one village dedicated to truth, they will make the entire county dedicated to truth. And if you have one county dedicated to truth, they will make the entire state dedicated to truth. And if you have one state dedicated to truth, they will make the nation dedicated to truth. And if you have one nation de dedicated to truth, you will have the United Nations dedicated to truth. And pretty soon you'll have a world dedicated to truth. That's your sphere of influence, according to Confucius. Yes, please. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika. Namaste. 
We often read, if we recite this one time, two times, etc., we will be relieved of various difficulties or given an abundance of divine qualities. How literal is this? I have recited these mantras many times, many times more than once, and life still presents endless changes and I still falter. Can you explain how we are to interpret these types of verses? Explain the counterfactual. What, happened, what would have happened if you didn't chant it? How worse off you might be today if you didn't chant these verses. Thank God you're where you're at. I mean, you're sitting in a computer screen in a virtual satsang with the Divine Mother reading the scriptures from a mountaintop in California. All the way around the world, this satsang is being transmitted. You're doing good things with good people in a good place. What would have happened if you didn't chant these mantras so many times? Where would you be? Would you be looking for uh, something? You would be someplace else in a state of greater dissatisfaction, in a state of... How, how literally do you want to understand this? Please understand it completely and fully. Do the best you can to do the most you can. And if you can do it three times, that's wonderful. If you can do it five times, that's even better. If you can do it five times or three times in one asana or in one breath or in one mind, then that's even better. Just keep expanding your interaction with godliness with good people doing good things in good places, talking about good knowledge, which is inspiring and uplifting. I, 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 wouldn't, I would take it completely literal. It means totally, chant it once and you'll be freed from all sin. All confusion will go away. And no need to think about it. Oh yes, if you chant it once, fully and completely and totally present, and not with a wandering mind, and not with your divided or bifurcated attention, and not with thinking about who's at the door and who's on the phone and what's on the TV and what's on the boob tube and what am I going to do when I get through with all these stupid mantras. If you could chant it once and be there 100%. With devotion. Yes, with devotion. Yeah, without desire, with devotion. Okay, Mom. Thank you. Without desire, with devotion. Mama gave us the key. Thank you, Srima. Then it's true. If you chant it once, you'll be free from all confusion, from all sin. If you chant it twice, that way you get all the wealth you want. What do you want? If you're totally focused with impure devotion on the, the what's your wealth? How do, you get, how do you get a definition of wealth if you're totally focused on the goddess of wealth? She is the wealth. It's the wealth of respect, peace in your mind, and peace in your heart. If you chant it three times, you lose that, you defeat that enemy. Mahashathruvinashanam, the great enemy. That's me. Oh, you may think it's you, but that's a mistake. It's me. <laughs> I am the great enemy. It's the ego I. Now, how do you get rid of the ego I? You submerge yourself in devotion to the great wealth, the, uh, the great wealth of peace in your mind and peace in your heart. That's the only way. And then he, he, that stupid ego 
gets taken away. All that energy comes out of the ego, goes to the gods. We all go back to heaven. That's how literally we take this. Doesn't mean I'm going to read the newspaper and listen to the radio and watch TV and chant the mantra at the same time and, and probably have the phone right there by my side and waiting for who, who's going to call. And, oh, and then what do I got to do when I get through with this silly procedure that Swami made me do? Then, if you get their one-pointed, one-pointed focused attentiveness, totally absorbed into the mantra, then it's fully accomplished. Immediately. Yes, please. We have a question from Laura in Vermont. Namaste, Laura in Vermont. Namaste. Name 37 is, she who resides in the imperishable creation. Isn't creation by nation, nature perishable? Where does she reside? In the imperishable part. <laughs> that is the consciousness. She is a fully conscious being. She is all consciousness and all energy. And the, she is potential energy as well as kinetic energy. And the potential energy is never destroyed. Energy is never destroyed. It never perishes. It just changes form. The kinetic energy becomes potential, and the potential energy becomes kinetic. Consciousness never is destroyed. That's imperishable, too. So she resides in energy and consciousness as a marine queen. She is creation, preservation, transformation, dancing on the stage, moving in the paradigm of reality of all that is known, perceived by consciousness. So that's imperishable. It changes form, but it didn't go away. <laughs> it just, it was perceivable, and then it became imperceivable. And then it became perceivable again. <laughs> it didn't perish. Please. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia Ma. Namaste. There is a beautiful melody that Ma uses to sing the eight verses. Has that melody been around forever, or is it more recent? Is there a melody for the thousand names? It seems to me that the melody itself is as powerful as the Sanskrit vibrations. Is this true? Yes, <laughs> it is. And one of the Saraswati's names is Melody, uh, Swara. And she gives this, the melody, the tune, and that tune has been around for as long as there has been Sanskrit. But as many as there are individuals, so many are their different tunes. I never learned one of them. I sing my own tune. But, or, or not. <laughs> Out of tune <laughs> would be more accurate. Uh, but Mother sings classical tunes. And so she, she puts many of the, uh, the verses, uh, many of the recitations to classical melody. And we get the privilege of enjoying those melodies, even to the extent that it stops our pujas, because we can't remember the mantras. We become so captivated by the melody. <laughs> it's true. Yes, please. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika. Namaste. Can you please speak more about name 16, the uncreated attitude that fills the silence? No. How can you speak about the uncreated bhava? 
the uncreated attitude which fills silence. Is there a word? I can tell you what we did to get there, but I can't tell you what it sounds like. I can talk to you about sadhana, and I can tell you what happened in my life as I reached for that definition. What was I doing when I understood what that word meant? The uncreated attitude which exists, exists in silence. I can tell you how I got there, what I was doing when I was going there, how I, what sadhana I did. But you already know that. I can't tell you what it's like. How can I define silence for you? How can I define the attitude which is uncreated, which puts you in the, in the bliss of that silence? The Rishi said, Niti, Niti, Na, Iti, Na, Iti, you please ask Nanna. <laughs> She's the master or the mistress of Niti, Niti. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti. Namaste, Sadhana. Pranam, name 38, she who shines from beginning to end. Is this referencing the destruction of our, of our great ego? Well, you can put it, you can cast the illusion as small as you like or as wide as you like. She shines from beginning to, to end could mean that everything in existence is her. It's all shining. There's nowhere she is not. It's all radiating her light. Everything is illuminated by her. She is the manifestation of all illumination. Or you could say she's got yellow socks and she's got a yellow head and she's got a crown on top of her head made of yellow and she's just shining from top to bottom. That's the bottoms-up analysis. The top-down analysis says that I'm looking at this entire universe. It's all her. Her feet cover the earth. The top of her crown reaches to the highest reaches of the atmosphere. On every level, she shines from beginning to end. As far as you can go and farther. Go as far as you can go. And when you get to where you can't go any farther, then go a little farther. <laughs> and if you can push that limit, a boundary of infinity out further, you're going to have to demarcate it by some kind of a boundary. Maybe you'll draw a line. Now, what's on the other side of the line? It, she illuminates from beginning to end. All that you see is light. It's her light. It's her radiance. So there's no way to limit it. Yes, please. We have a question from Chandi in Illinois. Namaste, Chandi Ma. Pranam, would you speak more on name 74, she who is the excellent sacrifice? When we worship Indu Puja, we are sacrificing to her. Yet this says she is the ultimate sacrifice. She certainly is. Remember, sacrifice in Sanskrit is different from sacrifice uh, in English, uh, sacrifice in English means to give up something, and sacrifice in Sanskrit means to unite with everything. <laughs> Chandima, 
She is the ultimate sacrifice. When you unite with everything, from the root yuj, to unite, yagya. She is the sreshta, yagya. She is the ultimate yagya. She is the perfection of union with everything. She is not giving up something. She is the union with everything. So that's the kind of yagya we want to make. That's what she means. Yes, please, Shivani. When we have peace in our minds and peace in our hearts, then do we live more in the intuition? Yes, we do, because if you have peace in your mind, what are you thinking about? <laughs> yeah, you got it. You can't think about anything if you got peace in your mind. You just illuminate with a priori knowledge. It's, it's, it, it, you know it intuitively. You know it inside. You, you've, you've got it deep in your insides, in your innards. Uh, that's where it is. That's, you're coming from a place of pure intuitive perception. You intuit peace. You don't think peace. Oh, I like it. For most of us, peace would mean the absence of war. But that's not peace in Sanskrit. I, that's peace in the modern day world if we could just stop the war. Hey man, all we want is peace. All we are saying is give peace a chance. Peace is not the, only the absence of war. That's the first step. Peace is the absence of all. There's no duality. There's only perfect unity. That's peace. That's the Shanti. Yes, please. We have a question from Sadatmananda. Namaste, Sadatmananda. Namaste. You say that consciousness is imperishable. Does consciousness remain past death? How? Yes, consciousness remains past death. It, there is an illumination, a prakash, uh, an illumination of whatever is being held in front of the mirror is being reflected. If nothing is being held in front of the mirror, does the mirror cease to exist? No. It's just devoid of reflection. The capacity to reflect is still present. When you take all the images from the front and from in front of the mirror, it doesn't make the mirror go away. It means that there's no objects to reflect. When you put another object there, then it reflects again. The same thing with the consciousness, individually and collectively. It, consciousness is one, it's infinite. Sometimes we, well, let me ask you the difference between the space inside a pot and the space outside the pot. The space outside the pot is called Maha Akash, unlimited space. The space inside the pot is called Gatrakash, limited space. What's the difference in the space? 
container. If it's uncontained, it's the same quality as if it's contained. It's just space. Consciousness is similar. There's a universal consciousness and there's an individual consciousness which we put in this pot. This is an individual form of consciousness. It's not my consciousness, that's the ego eye. Consciousness is the soul. Consciousness is divinity. Consciousness is omnipresent. It's infinite. It's not limited to this container. It's the same as the consciousness outside this container. Only we choose for the duration of the container to say, hey, I, this is my consciousness. I am a conscious being. That's only my ego speaking, but... So he, the, the removal of the container does not equate to the demise of the space. And the removal of the, of the container doesn't indicate the demise of the consciousness. It still exists. Only you can't see it. You don't think it's there because it doesn't have a container. It's uncontained. But you know that the, the space that's outside of this container is contained by another container. Uh, uh, the four walls and the roof. Well, let's go outside the four walls and the roof. Well, there's another container. There's the atmosphere and the cloud layer and the ozone and, the, and we can go all the way out to outer space or we can go all the way into inner space. It's all infinite consciousness or infinite space. So the, the removal of the container doesn't indicate the demise of the consciousness. It only means that it's imperceptible. You can't define it. And therefore, you can't talk about it. So don't realize it. That's all we have to do is realize it. Yes, please. We have a question from Moshimi in Boulder. Namaste, Moshimi Ma. Namaste, Siddharth. Pranam, could you please elaborate on the limbs of devotion in the Agya Chakra? Yes. There are... Uh, there are many limbs of devotion uh, in the uh, in the uh, Ramayana. Uh, let's see, where did we have that? We had that under presentations, didn't we? I bet you it's in here. Um, oh, that's fine. Give me one moment, please. There you have it. Pratmam Bhagati Santantha Karasanga Nusri Rati Mamakota Prasanga. The first step is to associate with saintly people, and the second is to enjoy stories of divinity and divinely inspired beings. The third step of devotion is feeling the privilege to perform selfless service as an expression of love for the Guru, while the fourth step is to sing of divine qualities or characteristics without any selfish motivation. The fifth step of devotion is to recite mantras with full faith. This is the path illuminated by the Vedas. The sixth step is to perform all actions with tranquility and to see every circumstance as an opportunity to manifest perfection. 
The seventh form of devotion is to see the world as equal to God and to regard the company of saintly beings as an even greater opportunity than the perception of God because saints can show us the way to get to God. God is just there in perfection. You know God exists. You don't need proof of that. You need knowledge of how to get there. How do you realize that? You've got faith. That's why we're here. That's why we're having satsang. That's why we're studying the scriptures. We have faith that God exists. We need saints to show us how do you go? How do you make the journey? The eighth step is to be satisfied with whatever one receives as the fruits of one's actions and not to contemplate the faults of others. The ninth step of devotion is to remain with simplicity all the time, to renounce conniving for selfish ends, and to take delight in faith in God with neither exultation nor unhappiness. Now, for whomever even one of these forms of devotion is practiced, be it woman or man or movable or unmovable object, that being is most beloved to God. And all these forms of devotion are present in great measure within you. So this is Ram talking to Shabri. And he says, these are the nine forms of devotion. They're all present in the Agya Chakra. All you have to do is contemplate with your devotion the illumination of all, all divinity and you will have, uh, if, if you in, uh, have satsang with saintly people, you'll listen to the stories of divinity and you'll listen to the divine inspiration. You feel the privilege to do seva and love, show your love, demonstrate your love for the guru and sing about divinity and sing about godliness and sing about the attributes of God or of divinity without any selfishness, uh, to recite mantras with full faith and attention and the, the, the perform all actions with tranquility from a center, from a, 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 with poise and dignity, with respect for every action. See the circumstance, every circumstance is an opportunity to manifest my perfection. I can do a good job at everything I do. I want to live with respect and demonstrate respect and show that I'm efficient in my every action because I love God. The seventh step is to see the world is godly. It's, it's all filled with God. I see God in every being. I see every being in God. I, I think about God with every perception. And it, when I see a saintly person, it's, it's a greater opportunity to me than even to have darshan of God. And then the eighth step is to be satisfied all the time. Just be have, have a good time. Thank God for the privilege of being able to serve her. To do whatever you do because you love her. And receive everything you get. It's the, it's the, it's karma, it's the prasad, it's a consecrated offering that I receive. And don't think about others' faults. Think about what I can do to make myself better. And the ninth step, the ninth is to be simple. And stop conniving for your selfish little self and just be simple. Take delight in faith in God. 
Now put all of these in your Agya Chakra Mushami and you will, you will just drink the nectar of devotion. You will live, you will dwell in the nectar of, of pure devotion. And that's just what she's saying here. Who has all united all the forms of devotion in the Agya Chakra. These are the nine forms of devotion that Ram propounded to Shabari. And just put even one form and fully attentive to it, but put all nine there and united together in one way of life. And you will, be, you will become the prasad of your offering. You will become the consecrated offering received from as the prasad from God. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda. Namaste, Nanda Ma. Pranam. Why do we worship Lakshmi alone with a Chandan Mala instead of Rudraksha? Thank you. I have no neti neti question. <laughs> <laughs> well, because in her hand she holds the net and the neti. And uh, she holds the Akshar Mala. She worships uh, with the Tulsi Mala. All Vaishnavas worship with the Tulsi Mala. She also worships with the Coral Mala, a red coral mala. And she, oh, she also worships with the Mukt Mala. Uh, and Mukta is, uh, what do you call that? Pearls. Uh, so uh, there, are, uh, there are different forms of worship. Uh, uh, Lakshmi is one of those goddesses that crosses over. Uh, she, she gets around. You know, there's a Vaishnavling and a Shivling, and the Shivling worships Rudraksha, and they work, worship the Bampant. Uh, they worship with uh, uh, items that Vaishnavas consider barjit. Uh, they are forbidden, prohibited. Uh, they use Panchmakar. These are uh, the symbolism for uniting with the senses, all the uh, uniting with the pranayama uniting with all, all the, uh, 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 the nutrition of the earth, you bringing all the senses into harmony and focusing on the union between the Shakti or the, the Divine Mother and the Muladhara and bring her up to the house of Shiva and the Sahasrara and create the highest perfection of union. And this is Shaiva Pant. And uh, 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 then Lakshmi takes on the characteristics of Kali in Shaiva Pump. And she's also worshipped in Boishnab Pump. And that means uh, uh, she wears uh, Chandan and she, uh, uh, she drinks uh, uh, Ikurash uh, uh, like with, with Saraswati. She eats sweets. Uh, uh, Ikurash, uh, what do you call it? Uh, huh? sugar, sugar cane juice. Yeah. Uh, and she looks for a sugar daddy. Uh, she loves her Vishnu, uh, and uh, uh, she, she is worshipped in both Sattva and in Tam. Lakshmi bridges the gap. Uh, like Saraswati is only worshipped in Sattva. Uh, Kali is worshipped usually in Tam. And Lakshmi has elements of each. So uh, it, it, that's why she is a varied color. And she gets a, uh, a Chandan Mala, but she gets a Koro Mala, but she gets a Mukta Mala, and she gets a Rudraksh Mala. 
You can use all four. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia! Namaste. You've said that it is okay to do the eight verses just once when we're doing the Cosmic Puja, rather than three times. Is there any reason for this? Yes. Yeah, it'll be sufficient to free yourself from all sin and all confusion. If you can do that in the context of the Cosmic Puja, if you do the Cosmic Puja straight through with maybe a thousand jop in the middle, uh, you could do it, if you do it quickly, like I do, you can do it in two and a half or three hours, uh, depending on how deep is your meditation. If you do it slowly, you can do it in four hours or five hours. Well, if you do the Mahalakshmi Ashtakam three times, and you're probably looking towards the five-hour Cosmic Puja and a three-hour Chandipat and a Upasanghar Puja of two hours, and you probably got much, have a very full day, Julia. So you're allowed some liberties in editing the text and deciphering which parts you want to include and which parts you want to exclude. You're allowed that latitude. If you want to do it fully and completely and perfectly, then you read every text from cover to cover every day. I don't think it's possible. So you'll have to edit someplace. You can't read every text cover to cover every day. Uh, it's not possible in a 24-hour cycle. Even amongst the texts that we've translated, it takes a week to read it. Uh, if you're really dedicated and focused and I I engaged, maybe 10 or 12 hours a day, you could read in seven days all the books that we've... You could chant the Sanskrit of all the books that we've read, <laughs> translated. So you've got to take some liberties and I'm giving you the authority to edit me any way you want. Any way you see you deem appropriate for your purposes at that time. So if you want to read the Mahalakshmi Ashtakam one time, that's sufficient for me. Yes, please. Swamiji, I understand the symbolism of most of the weapons Lakshmi holds, yes. but what is the symbolism of the gourd? The gourd is a, uh, it is a symbolizes the, the unity of all the earth. The unity of all creation is like a gourd full of seeds. Uh, it, it's also a, very similar to the pomegranate full of seeds. All the seeds are in the one pod and they're all very close to each other. And it's nourishing and it's uh, the, uh, the capacity to bring about a new creation. Uh, to, to do it again. Uh, it, it, it keeps rejuvenating itself. It grows up out of the ground and it, we eat the fruit and it nourishes us and then we plant the seed and it gives a new fruit so it continues again and again and again. That's what the gourd is standing for. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste.